This is the Grind, Sell, and Elevate podcast by Tizer Evans, where we do a deep dive on how to stay driven, how to be a top-tier salesperson, and how to elevate the quality of your life. Everybody, thanks for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. Today, I talk with Will Moore, who is the founder of More Momentum. What Will does is help you look at your bad habits, your failing habits, and how to cultivate new habits so you can start to accelerate and lead the life that you want. We are really fascinating about Will's upbringing and the things he helps his clients with and how he fell into the space. And if you guys haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast, drop me a five-star review, leave me a comment, makes it easier for other people to find. If you could, share with three or four like-minded people. It would really mean a lot to me. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Will. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. I'm here with uh, Will Moore today, who's the founder of More Momentum. Will, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Tyler, appreciate it, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks for coming on. So I'd love to find out. I'm super intrigued about your business and your strategies, um, but I would love for context purposes, if you could introduce yourself to the audience, a little bit about your journey, uh, what you've done, and then kind of how you got to where you're at right now. Uh, yeah, so uh, I was born a blank slate, just like we all were, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to take on the world. I was actually born in California. My parents were hippies. Um, then we moved to Hawaii, Honolulu, where I lived until I was seven. My parents got divorced when I was two. My mom actually was an alcoholic. She had a, a pretty bad temper problem. My dad went on a trip around the world. So it, it, things got a little rocky, but I, and ironically, that was actually my name. My parents, as I said, were hippies. I was born Rocky, Clay, Thomas, Wooten, Moore. My sister was born Puff, Sunpath, Moore. So that gives you an inclination. Actual um, hippies. Real deal hippies. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Northern California. So, you know. When people say that, like, I'm always like, okay, well, I grew up where there really are hippies, but yeah. Were they really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Ashbury, I love it. Um, they, didn't, they didn't make it to Woodstock, but no, they were they were all in. They were the real deal. So um, bottom line is I had a great childhood, but then, you know, mixed with my mom's anger, temper, we ended up um, needing financial assistance. So we moved back to, uh, moved to Bethesda, Maryland, Washington, D.C., where my grandparents, my grandfather was actually a general in the Korean world, World War II. So talk about stark difference. He did not go to the wedding. He boycotted it. He didn't speak to my mom for about 10 years, but or seven years, I should say. And then when we got, when I was about seven, they said, all right, let's mend fences. And so they helped us kind of, and I just saw a different side of, of things. And, but I was looked at as like this strange hippie kid with shoulder length hair and, um, you know, ball head, self-cut overalls. I was real pudgy. I think they just didn't know what to, I, I spoke pigeon shaka bra like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually living in the in the poorer area of, of Hawaii most people think of oh Honolulu or do you live in this great resort it's like no there's slums everywhere you go and right. we live in one uh and so yeah I just didn't fit in I I, I had a really hard time adjusting and essentially I, I got to the point by the time I got to college I felt like I was like your typical victim. Life's out to get me. My brain's broken. I was like, all right, fresh start. Gonna, gonna, gonna change it all, you know? And I get to college and kind of the same, because my mindset hadn't changed and nothing had really changed other than me wanting to do something different, but I wasn't, mm. didn't know how. It, the same thing kind of happened. And I fell out with the, the, 
the, the guys that I wanted to be in with and I wanted to join a fraternity and, and be on that, you know, change my persona. If I could just get into fraternity, then, you know, then I would be cool and everything would be great. And I was like the only kid to, on our entire hall to not get into one. Uh, and, and looking back, I now it's clear why I didn't, cause I had no social skills and it was all about me. And it was constantly like, are they looking at me weird? Am I, am I acting okay? And like, nobody's, you can't, you know, you got to put the attention. So I serendipitously, I threw myself into studies and I serendipitously discovered this book by one of my professors called how to win friends and influence people, which is a classic. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yep. Um, Mr. Written, Carnegie. Written by Mr. Dale Carnegie way yep. back in the day. <laughs> Um, and what I love about that book, I've read it like 10 times. There's certain books that stand the test of time, you know, and that's mm -hmm. when I got this, I kind of got hooked on this whole universal principles thing where it's like, okay, there's certain principles on this in the universe where they've been around since the beginning of time, or at least man, and they're going to be around until the end, until we destroy ourselves. Like, base your life off of that like why are you wasting time trying to figure it all out like these are and so i just became this insatiable self-help beast reading every book i could get my hands on trying to collect as many of these principles as i could and and using myself really as a human science experiment and testing what worked what didn't um and i just kind of just just one foot in front of the other it didn't happen overnight but i started to improve different aspects of my life started to get some friends, got a girlfriend, you know, got into a fraternity, eventually got into a fraternity. So, you know, flash forward now, you know, 25 years later, I just never stopped doing that. Um, I was able, uh, you know, from, uh, I always put success in quotes because I feel like my definition of success and the, the rest of the world's, most of the world's is completely different. I, I don't equate it to, to finance, money, fame, power, like we're kind of raised to, to think. Right. But from a financially successful perspective, I was able to, you know, build a business, sell it, which also came from the books. I read a lot of the, the money book, Think and Grow Rich, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, a lot of these, these books early on that kind of was like, oh, oh, okay. And I got these principles of compounding stuff they don't teach you in school, but they absolutely should. And it's totally ridiculous to me that they don't. Yeah. Right? Um, so I figured a lot of this stuff on my own and, and I built a business. I, I sold it in 2019. The business sold for a combined $321 million. It was a restaurant delivery service. Um, we started way before Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, which is what most people now associate with, with restaurant delivery services. But yeah, we, we bootstrapped it, me and my buddies. And we, we started it the year the iPhone came out and we just kind of winged it and we figured it out as we went. And we were fortunate enough to get in early and build enough of a, uh, we franchised them. We had 19 branches primarily throughout Probably. the Southeast at that yeah. time I was living in Florida and we did, we did pretty well. And so we were able to partner with another company and then we got bought out by an even larger company. So, you know, at that point in my life, I'm like, okay, this was about two years ago. Like now what? Like it felt great, but there was no, I'm just going to sit on the beach and drink a pina colada for the rest of my life, which is what so many people think, like, if I could just, if only, right, just like I thought when I was in my victim state back in college, if only I could get an attorney, if only I had a million dollars, if only I had enough likes on Facebook, like, then I'd be happy, but that's not how life works. Anybody that's made a lot of money or been through that process and gotten to that goal, you don't just stop and rest on your laurels. That's not happiness. That's not growth. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, Okay, I, I kind of already knew this, but now it's confirmed that it's all about just continuing to grow and set goals. And I kind of started figuring out these pillars, these five core areas of your life that 
were in the background that I was growing kind of automatically anyways, but I hadn't really labeled them. And I was like, this is what happiness is. We all share these. And if I just continue to grow these and stop those failure habits in each and replace them with sex success habits based on these universal principles um, and, and hold myself accountable in a fun gamified way, I got something. And so that's basically what I've dedicated my life to and helping others to do the same. Man, thank you for that. Um, there's a, there's a lot to, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 it's good. I'm just writing. I've been writing down notes, a lot to unpack. So, you know, one of the first things before we get into the, the, the five core principles, which I do want to get into and, and walk through those. I'm just curious though, did you learn any lessons from your, your grandfather? Cause that must've been a really interesting cultural shift for you having hippie parents living in California, going to Hawaii um, and then going to the East coast, different vibe. And then a totally different, you know, scenario. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and, and I absolutely did. I mean, my personality, I, I, I credit my grandfather in particular with giving me that sort of structured side that allowed me to sort of develop the, okay, like in the real world, you can't just go out and smoke dope and, you know, and my parents are fantastic. They gave me a lot of what I needed too. I kind of took pieces from everywhere and they sure. gave me the uh, undeniable support, no matter what I did, they loved me, you know, no matter what. And it was just like, you can do anything. Right. So I got that from my parents, but there was no, like, this is how to do it. Um, and, and my grandfather was a lot more structured and I saw, you know, he was invested and I learned about stocks with him and I saw how his money had compounded over the years. And I was like, wow, how do you have so much money? He's like, well, this is, you know, and he kind of took me under his wing and we, you know, we, we, we did, I, I got a, I got a whole different side of life. And so then it's like, I took, I had these two completely mirror opposite kind of backgrounds that all of a sudden merged together. And it was, it was, I feel fortunate that. I had that because I saw how this side lives, how this side lives. And I'm like, there's a, there's a Mary of the two. There's a way to live mm -hmm. both. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to just be all as, you know, maybe in politics, you'd say all left, all right, whatever. It's like, no, you can, you can, you can, you can have it all. And so that's kind of how I saw it. Oh, I love that. I think that that's like your analogy to politics is exactly right. You know, right. Cause a lot of us think that, uh, you have to, and, I, and I've seen this a little bit just within my own, um, my own life. So my wife grew up very wealthy. Dad was a lawyer, entrepreneur, tons of money, lived in Florida. I grew up lower middle class, you know, parents experimented. They had a little bit of fun, you know, just completely different trajectory. Right. And, you know, they all, they, they, they've got, they got their shit together and they've done well for themselves, but not like my in-laws have. And so when we came together, we had this fundamental different, I was just like, you know, my wife was like, why do you meditate every day? What is this meditation thing about? Like, you know, and I was just like, well, why don't you, why don't you meditate? Right. Why do you think that that's weird? You know what I mean? So it's yeah, not yeah. going to be possessed yeah. by demons for doing it. So, you know, so I think that that's a beautiful way to look at it. And you're, I think that you were probably very fortunate in, in, a, in a lot of regards to have this very kind of spiritual carefree way of looking at life, but then also a very structured way of life and see that, Hey, they can both work, but if I can combine them, I can really create something special uh, for myself. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, you know, that's a very good point. And then I don't really talk about this aspect of it a lot, but it, it is, 
very, it was very crucial into the person that I became. And it's not like I thought about it at the time, like, I'm going to take some of this and take some of this. It was just sort of like, okay, well now I've got both. And, and it allows me to have empathy. Like it's, it's really sad with what's going on with the polarization of the, not just mm-hmm. the United States, but the world where it's like, yep. it's literally divided into like, fuck you, fuck you. You know, my view's right. You're wrong. It's just like, God, like when you've gotten to a point in your life, when you can see from the 10,000 foot view, it's just so obvious how wrong that is and how detrimental to the happiness, the momentum, the future of the world, like our kids, like growing up, like it does nothing to just put your wall up and go, I'm right. You're wrong. And if you try to convince me you're an evil, bad person, stay the hell, you know, like versus, Hey, let's all do this together. We're all on, on the same journey, the same path here. We all just want to be as happy. At the end of the day, it's not about, most people might say, I just want to have as much money as possible. We all just want to be as happy as possible. Yeah. And what I've determined is what makes you happy. And it's these five cores and it's growth in each of them. And we all need that. And we all share that. And relationships is one of those cores and it's a big part of it. And if we're not like working together and growing and you get so much more when you do, and I don't want to mean to sound cheesy, but I mean, for anybody that's you, when you work with versus against people, not only is your mind freer, you've got less stress, anxiety, you're spending your time and energy fighting against somebody else to try to convince them. But when you're working on the same team, you get a zillion times more product productivity and you feel good doing it. And, you know, the more you give back, the more you get, I mean, it's, it's a pretty magical thing. And, and for those that don't get it, which is a lot of freaking people, it's, it's really sad. So that's part of one of my missions is to sort of help people see from the big picture. Like, look guys, we're, we're all born naked and afraid. We all want the same things. Like just yeah. cause you, uh, your social media or your newsfeed has skewed you this way. Doesn't mean that that's, you know, that's who you are and that everybody else is bad. Like, let's, let's look at it. So it's tough for people to do, but I'm going to do it. No, yeah, I, we can get into the five pillars, but you know, what a lot of things I picked up on that it just kind of clicked for me is definitely the way that we live now, it's kind of like how I feel. And I don't talk about this much because it's more of a business podcast, but it's kind of how I feel about religion a little bit. The principles that were used two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 years ago, there's a lot of them that can still apply today, but a lot of it, we know that it's not applicable today, right? Because through science, technology, Hey, you know, did someone turn water to wine? I don't know. Seems probably impossible, but the metaphor of becoming unrefined to, refined makes a lot of sense to me right and so i think that what we've come is we've always historically been in tribes and that's the way we developed three million years ago that's just kind of the way that we came up was through tribalism and that was because we didn't have airplanes we didn't have boats we didn't have you know jets to take us across the world in 12 hours or eight hours or four hours and so we still have like this old archaic way of thinking of like it's just divide and conquer and my tribe versus your tribe but we had to see that like uh like the rest of the world i've talked about this before does not live that way like, if, you know, other animals, they live in the confines within right. the community of the world. We're the only species that tends to put ourselves outside of the rest of the community of the world and live in a completely different faction. If we can get in congruence with how, you know, like my, th- I have three different types of dogs back here. They're all getting along fine. I love it. <laughs> you know? I've got my little guy you know? right here too. Right? Why can't we so, be more like dogs, people? Yeah, exactly, man. You know, dogs spell backwards is. Um, but let's, let's, let's jump into uh, your, your five cores. 
Yeah. Well, let me just, I, I like this conversation. So I totally agree. And, and you're right on. And it's like, yeah, you know, there's, you know, the tribal stuff that I, I talk all, all the time. I, I put it in terms of, you know, our paleolithic selves or, you know, there's but our primal brains, like, right. Like you just said, there's a lot of bad habits or whatever you want to call them, uh, you know, tendencies we have that, are based on those, those brains that it served us well back when we were like fighting to survive. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were like saber tooth tigers coming out to get us. And, you know, and, and then, you know, you get to the point where it's like, okay, well, the more stuff I have, then the, then the more chances I'm going to be able to mate with the ideal spouse. And then I'll be able to have offspring to pass on my generation. Like all that stuff, you know, but, but now we're like, right, we're in a world where that doesn't really apply yet. Our brains still work with that. And there's just this dichotomy that's um, we're struggling with and we need to be able to push through the, the science technology is there to, to tell us like we can do it and this is how we can do it. And part of like, that's what I've dedicated my life is like using science, technology, gamification ways to kind of trick those dog lizard brains that we have uh, into saying, okay, well, my natural tendency is to do this and grab that low-hanging fruit. But oh, there's this higher fruit that tastes way better, and the air's crisper, and I'm going to be way happier eating it. So I'm going to go that way instead. Oh, totally agree. So okay, with that said, I just wanted to—I loved what we were talking about. That. Um, yeah. So five, five, the five cores, these five main areas we all share that we need to continually find good balance in and build momentum in are your mindset, which is essentially. It's your overall attitude. It's your perception. It's your confidence. Do you see the glasses half empty? Do you see these half full? Are you what I call a growth owner versus a fixed victim? As I described earlier, I was your typical fixed victim in college. I was actually suicidal my freshman year. My brain was broken. There was nothing I could do about it. Like, God, can I please, I will give anything to just trade my brain. I've now since evolved into what I call a growth owner, where I know my strengths and I also know my quote unquote weaknesses, things that I'm not as great at that I'm not going to focus on and, and harp on and be like, why can't I be this? Why can't I do that? I'm going to say, okay, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm good at. I'm going to put this into, turn this into goals and in a purpose and a mission. And I'm going to move forward with that. Obstacles are temporary roadblocks waiting for solutions. I'm going to fail forward because failure is mandatory. It's not like optional. Like if you want to succeed, you have to fail. So, you know, embrace it. I'm not saying jump up and down and say, woohoo, when I fail, but get back up quicker and be like, all right, that sucked. But what did I learn? Like that's, that's a huge difference. If you know, and, and the growth owner versus that fixed victim, the growth owner gives fear the finger, the fixed victim lets fear completely uh, guide every decision and action that they take. So, you know, if you can get to that, move on to that growth owner side and start automatically getting your brain working to where you're making these decisions and these habits are coming out of that type of mindset, then you're going to be, have something sweeter than you. And I, I can honestly say, I would now not trade my brain for anything in the world. Like if you were to give me a billion dollars and say, Hey, Will, we're going to trade your brain with this guy. I'd be like, fuck no. <laughs> Whereas back then, anything right so that's that's just your stark contrast um and mindset is the first court that kind of, everything kind of revolves around that like you kind of got to get your mindset going in the right direction if you want your others and then your career and your finances it's not just for like i said about money it's not how how can i make the most amount of money and and even if i'm not happy or like what i'm doing or screwing people over i mean at least i'm no it's 
are you, you know, is there an aspect of giving back to what you're doing to the world? Uh, are you using your passions and your strengths? Like I was saying, are you figuring out how to outsource your weaknesses and work around them? These days you don't need to like, there's so much like Upwork, Fiverr. I, I mean, my whole team is remote. I've never met, I've got eight people on my team. I've never met any of them in person. Like there's no excuse to be like, I can't because you can find somebody else that can, that it is their strength and get them to help you. And, you know, you set goals on basically where you want to go and, and it's going to be a rocky journey and you're going to pivot and you're going to turn. And it's not going to be a straight line, but as long as you kind of have the sense of, okay, this is where I want to end up, then, you know, you just keep moving that direction. And then you use the law of compounding in the meantime, you got to understand that just like we were talking about earlier, my grandpa taught me that you don't even learn this stuff in schools, which is insane like how to balance your checkbook, how to, how to invest in stocks. And, you know, right now the world I see starting to change, like the younger generation for the first time with all this GameStop mania is into Robin hood. And like, I, I have mixed feelings because I'm like, yes, finally, like the youth is understanding stocks are how much money you can make. And if you just, but they're not, there's probably a lot of gambling going on because yeah. you know, there's not this responsible way of doing it. And so right. there needs to be a, a gamification uh, education in there, almost like, okay, before you start trading, here's your little tutorial and make it fun make it interesting. So it's not boring, but like at least give the basics right now, anybody can go on there and just put all their money on Tesla. And it's like, okay, well, well you know, that could go one. It's, it's basically just gambling. So it's, 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 it's investing responsibly and, you know, looking at historic trends and patterns and, and just, you know, instead of going all in on one stock, diversifying with index funds and, you know, just things that a lot of people just don't even know to this day and even in their 20s and 30s. And you're like, wow, I mean, if you'd started when you were 18, investing $10 a week, like you'd have 200 grand right now. And then people yeah. are like, what? You know, so, and then relationships is the third one, which is, I'd break it into three different categories. You've got your... Uh, friends and your colleagues and acquaintances, which I consider you somebody that's new that I meet or that I just kind of, is kind of in my peripheral that I don't see on a regular basis, but it's an opportunity there. And it's like, okay, here's somebody I just met. Are we on, we're on the same page. I'm going to have a good conversation. Like maybe there's some synergy. Maybe we can do stuff together in the future. Maybe we become friends. Maybe we become business partners, maybe some sort of ally but it's like, there's opportunities everywhere. And most people mm -hmm. just look at, you know, they look down when they're walking past people and they're on their phone or, you know, they don't look people in the eye and they don't, you know, ask them questions. And I, don't know, I look at every, every one of those as, as opportunities to, to grow your happiness and theirs. Um, and then the friends and family is your second one. It's like, okay, are you just liking your friend's posts on Facebook? Or are you spending real human time? And yes, Zoom counts for now, you know, while we're trying to get through this, pandemic like you know you got to have at least some face-to-face -face. and like my wife and I we've had we have we, we actually increased the amount of times we see certain people that are living in other states because we started doing these zoom parties where we would have like you know we'd all be drinking and we'd be playing like these board games and stuff and it, it was neat and it was like it did it felt it checked that box of like just versus just like oh that's a cool picture of Adrian that I haven't seen in six months yeah yeah right like um yeah. no and that goes back to our primal as well like herds like we need to be in groups back then it served a purpose of not being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger but we still have that need to have that interaction so friends family um and then your significant other is your third i i don't I, i've debated on this one i don't tr i truly don't think you need a significant other to be living the five core life firing on all cylinders as i call it but i think that if you do find the right type of person and you have the right type of relationship where you're 
you know, you're doing these things that, again, based on principles that have proven versus, you know, this, you're doing this and you're growing together. It can, it can definitely add a, another level of, of happiness and awesomeness to your life. And then the next one, your next core, your fourth core is physical health. Mm -hmm. Pretty self-explanatory. It's, you know, what you're putting in your body, exercising, sleep, how you're kind of taking care of your physical. Cause as we all know, the physical and the, and the mind are very connected. And as, as the older you get, if you're not, if you're not moving, you're dying, whether it's with your brain or with your body. And when you're yep. younger, you can get away with murder. You can eat eight cheeseburgers and lie on the couch for a week and not gain a pound. You know, as you start to get older, I don't know how old you are. I just turned 45 and it's like, okay, you know, I, I see it now. Metabolism starts to slow and it's kind of a reminder, like you got to keep moving. You got to take care of yourself and you just feel so much better when you're putting good food when you're getting good sleep when you're exercising. Um, and then the last one is your emotional health and giving back. So the emotional health side of that is basically the stress, um, the anxiety, the, uh, the dwelling, making sure that those aren't ruling your life, that instead you're kind of stepping back and saying, okay, what do I love? What do I enjoy doing? Am I proactively scheduling things into my life that give me peace, happiness? Like if you like to play golf, if you like to, you know, go, go to the movies, whatever it is, but not like just saying, okay, I'll, I'll deal with that when I have time. And all of a sudden, six months, a year, two years has gone by and you're not doing things that you love. And and then, you know, just the whole, you, you mentioned you meditate um, earlier, I believe, before mm -hmm. we started, I think, yep. we went live, but, you know, take making sure that you've got a way to calm your brain, to, to center yourself, to focus on the things that really matter, to remember that things that have happened in the past, uh, what is the AA mantra? God, give me the strength to forget the things I cannot change or something. Yeah, accept the, accept the things that I cannot change, change the things I can, and the wisdom's know the difference. Perfect. It's a great mantra and, and it applies to everything, not just alcoholics, right? It's like, you can't change certain things yet. How many of us, and I still catch myself. I mean, it's, I've got my, my five top habits that I'm always working on. I've got them right here. Dwelling is on there still. And you know, it's, it's in our nature, but the more aware you become that you're doing it, the, the more you'll be able to sort of catch yourself. Like this is literally, I'm spending my time and energy on being miserable versus the solution side, like, okay, that sucked. But again, like we were talking about earlier, that growth owner, what can I do to move forward and not focus on it and, and just keep moving, keep moving forward versus get stuck in the past. I call it your failure loop versus your success loop. Um, you know, mm -hmm. when you're in your success loop, you take a little bit of action. You have a little bit of a result. That's good. You build a little bit of confidence then you get a little bit more energy to want to take more action. You take a little bit more action. You build a little bit more confidence. You get good results versus your failure loop. Like I'm just going to do nothing because I'm afraid or, you know, and then you, that just compounds on itself as well. And it's like, then you're doing less and less and you're letting fear lead your life and you're just like frozen and you're not taking action. It's all about action, action, action. Like right. you can't fail if you take action because Again, the failure has, a, it's got a bad rap. Failure is a good thing. You have to fail. It's mandatory. And the more action you take, the more you, you realize, okay, I shouldn't be doing this. I should do that. Uh, and then just that the last section of the, the fifth core, which is just the giving back. I mean, we kind of talked about that earlier, but God, it's magical thing. You know, what is the legacy you're going to leave? You know, when you give back to the world, give back to others, it's, it really is, it comes back to you. It may not happen right away. And you may be like, Hey, this didn't work, but trust me, it will. 
and you get way, way, way more enjoyment, pleasure out of life, and and just the feeling of happiness when you're helping others, and then it comes back to you tenfold. Has been my experience, and so it's like, what legacy are you leaving? Is the world going to go? Thank God that asshole's dead because he sucked the life out of us, and or is it going to go? Yeah, like that dude was awesome. He really did his best, and he, you know, he he chipped away. He made a little bit of a dent, and he helped the world build a little bit of momentum. Thanks, dude. You know, so that's the way I look at it. I, I love a lot of what you just said, Will. There's obviously a tremendous amount to unpack. We won't have time to get through. We could spend an hour on each one of these at a minimum uh, core principles and talk through. Um, I think the, the last part, you know, you're, you're hitting with me on, on a lot of different things just personally because I'm someone who I, I never conceptualize it in kind of this loop, but it very much is. And a lot like you through my 20s, I was stuck in the fear loop. Like I was, I was still having a little bit of success and I was still kind of like pushing myself out of my comfort zone. So I was kind of scaling up income wise, but it's still like every time I would get into a new position, like right now, I just, we were talking, you know, I started a new job this month and that boom, fucking fear just hit me right, right. Gut check. It was like, you know, day three hit me right in the stomach. And I'm like, what did I do? Like most people, most people would have been super happy with my income, making a great living, beautiful house, beautiful wife, beautiful kids. Like, what do I do? And because if I'm in that, I like to be in that other loop where I'm, I'm doing the action, catching the momentum, right? I'm getting the confidence. I'm like, yeah, I can go to the next level now. I can go to the next level. Yeah. I feel like I'd have a greater impact. Let's do that. And you get there and you're like, fuck, <laughs> a little scary. Uh, yeah. Well, and scary, right. And it's about learning to embrace that, right? So it's right. like- Fear is good because it signals there's a challenge and I need to go out and meet that challenge. If you're not scared of anything and you're, you know, then you're life's boring. You're stagnant hundred percent. So how do you help people though, get out of that, that loop where there's on a downhill spiral and, and um, you know, I know what, what kind of got me there. I just, I just felt like, you know, like, like you brought up AA, like addicts do. And I don't know if it's because I grew up with them. That's how I know the, the serenity prayer um, or whatnot, but it helped me with the trajectory of, you know, it was just like, I can't stand it anymore. I can't stand the way I feel. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to repeat the cycle. I got to break it at all costs. And I kind of hit a low point when I was about 27, 28. And then it kind of changes the trajectory of my life. But how do you help coach people to get into that winning loop and to embrace the fear? Is there anything, any tactical ways that you do that? Absolutely. And, you know, this is what drives me crazy about, I don't even know, I don't even like to call this like, I don't like the word self-help. I don't even like the word wellness, really. I, personal development. I feel like there's a bad stigma with the industry because there's so many people out there that, and I don't even consider myself in the industry. I'm just somebody that's like, hey, I've figured out some stuff and I want to help you. And rather than just put a quote on my Facebook page that's inspirational, I mean, we do that stuff too because you got to, sometimes you got to just put it up. But I actually have a system. And it started years ago, back in college with those victim days when I was suicidal, when I started figuring things out yet. Yeah, one of the early books I read was um, about, it was Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. And he had, it's called the 13 virtues. And it was basically a chart. Are you familiar with this? I'm not. So atop the crop, uh, so it was one piece of paper, uh, just like this, and then Basically, along the spine, along the spine was the, the habits, or he called them virtues, that he wanted to develop. And then across the top was the days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. 
And each day, so Monday, he would, at the end of the day, he would kind of go down and say, okay, did I do this? Did I do this? And he would put little check marks, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. And I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. And I made my own little chart of the, and I call, I, I was using habits instead of virtues. And just like, these are the things that I know if I can develop these habits, I will be better. I will be stronger. I will be faster, smarter, whatever you want to call it, momentumized. And, and so that's how I held myself accountable. And that actually worked really well and it worked for years. And what it did is it just, you know, I didn't always do them all, but it put a spotlight and it made me aware and it like the bad habit that I call them failure habits that I had, there was nowhere for them to hide. It was like, all right, we know the universal principle. We know that if I'm doing this, I'm going against that universal principle. So what, why am I doing it? Right. And, but that's what so many people do, especially now it's only gotten harder, even though science and technology has evolved right. ironically and you, and there is stuff to help us. And I'll get into that shortly on how I'm using that, but basically it's, there's so much stuff coming at us from every direction. And there's so many experts saying like, Hey, just do this or do that, but without any real guidance other than, you know, and it's very overwhelming, I think for your average person, uh, especially young adult, which is kind of my market that I'm trying to target. So people mm -hmm. that were me when they're just starting out in life and they're kind of like, well, what the hell do I do? Which direction do I head? And so to me, it's about, you know, really focusing in on those things that are going to help them the most. And I use a process called gamification, which is to me using fun, using play, uh, rewards, the social, me social mechanisms, um, you think of companies like Peloton, they, they, they have nailed gamifying your fitness. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they've made it fun and addictive and there's, you know, there's electron, there's tech involved and you've got the social environment where you're, you, you know, you're competing against your friends and you get rewards. And it's like, people are straight up addicted to that, just like they are these video games. And I'm like, yes. And so I've been working on an app for the last two and a half, three years that'll hopefully the, um, It'll be done uh, in the next two months, uh, my beta anyways. And it's basically gamifying these five cores. And the, the whole gist is you're trying to stop the failure habits that you've developed in each of these cores and replace them with success habits. And you got to start small because if you try to go big and like try to change your whole life at once, you're screwed. And so there's a little quiz I have on my website. You can kind of see where you stand in each of these cores. And the one that you start, the, you score the lowest in, that's where you want to get going. That's your weakest area. And you just start with one core, you start with one habit and you're a rocket ship and you've got these five cores of your life and you only activate that first one first. And to get off Earth's gravitational pull, you have to slowly start improving your habits by replacing those failure with success. You're checking in in the morning, you're checking in at night, and then you start to evolve and you start to build momentum. You get to the first planet, then the next galaxy, the next solar system. You're meeting aliens along the way that are giving you advice. You're fighting through asteroid fields. You're leveling up your ship, making it on unstoppable. So I, I've read several books on what gets people addicted. And so rather, I, have you seen the social dilemma? Yeah. yeah, of course. The social dilemma hits it perfectly. I'm doing the exact opposite of what some of these companies are doing. And I don't think Larry Page, Mark Zuckerberg are evil people. I don't think they set out to destroy the world, but here's no. the thing. They are caught. The genie's out of the bottle. They ha have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to make as much money as possible. Your wellness and your happiness, they're not in that equation, right? Yeah. 
And so if that's at the expense of your happiness and, and if that ends up like the guy in the, in the social dilemma ends up like getting a gun and by the end, he's like, you know, he goes down this rabbit hole of like, now first he clicks on one ad, then he's getting more ad, then he's getting gun ads, then he's buying a gun. Now he's at the rally. And it's like, that's what happens to us. Like we start to go down. And so to me, the, these things that are being used against us by a lot of these big companies, they can just as easily be used for us. Mm -hmm. Habits don't care if they're good or bad, helping or hurting us. They're going to do their thing over time and compound no matter what. And so to me, that's kind of my mission and starting with this app and I want it to be a line of products, but basically just using that, those gamified ways to make it fun and interesting because today with the ADD, average ADD brain out there, like you're not going to get their attention with books anymore. Yeah. I am writing a book just because I've been writing it for 25 years, but you got to find a way to get to them quick and where they go, Oh, that's cool. That's neat. And then get them addicted, suck them in. And then when they level up on screen, they're also leveling up in real life. I love that. And that's, it's so true because, you know, people get like, they get into their shit and they, it's like, they get into this cycle and they don't realize that every habit is a vote for the direction that you're taking your life. And people are not conscious of that. And so they don't realize that like, Hey, yeah, like going to the gym, right? Like I have, if I, my habit is to get up at six 30 and go to the gym every day, then I'm replenishing my body. I'm increasing longevity, you know, I'm chipping away at anxiety and depression, right? Like all kinds of releasing endorphins, things can happen. But if my habits been to, I'm, I'm a person that sleeps in and that's part of my identity and my persona. And that's my habit. Like it, when you go to change that, it, it's so hard because it chips away at your identity. And so I think that it's beautiful through the gamification of stuff that it's almost like a psychological fuck where it'll get them addicted to the game, but in a way that will yield positive results as opposed to what we've traditionally been experienced is through the psychology of programmers to do negative things or bad habits. That's exactly right. And hence my definition of gamification is slightly different. It's essentially tricking your brain into wanting to take the actions that are good for you. Right. And again, if we've got these primal brains that think that they, you know, the low hanging fruit is there and they want to grab it, but we got to trick it into saying, no, that's actually not, you need to, you need to go over this way instead. And if, you know, if gamification can help that, then I think it's fantastic. And so just connecting the dots, I told you earlier, I started with that Brent, Ben Franklin system. This basically is that it's just mm -hmm. evolved over the years and then evolved into a Microsoft Word doc. Then it was an Excel sheet. At, at a certain point, it started to feel like homework for me. I was like, oh, I got to do my habits. And I was like going through and each of my courses, it was just taking too long. And I'm like, I'm going to turn this into a game where it's fun and where I can check this and do this. And I want to get to the next level. And I want right. to see what the uh, alien and, and planet's going to look like. I want to see how much I can level up my ship. And I want to compare myself to other people out there doing the same thing. Like, how do I, how do I stand? So that's how, that's where it came from. I love it. I got a confession for you too. Well, so I read, I have a whole nother podcast called the book Legion and I, and it's so I do a book review. I, I do. I read a book a week. And like right now, I've, I've never read this. I'm sure you've read it, but I've never read it. I've got um, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, right? So that's what I'm reading this but week. I haven't read that one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's about a guy that, you know, kind of what we're talking about is, you know, starts out this trial lawyer, you know, crazy, the best, has a massive heart attack at 53 in the middle of the courtroom, right? Quits, goes off to India, comes back transformed reformed right got rid of his ferrari his private island his own his jet and whatnot so but um you know i don't know where i was going with that i was talking about the other podcast because the books oh but i i i geek out on mario kart 
I'm addicted to it. That's what I say. So I, I read a yeah. lot, you know, and, and so that's usually my thing. I'm not a big TV guy. I'll watch a, a documentary here or there or whatnot, but I don't have like shows I watch. And so, but every once in a while I need to unwind at night, you know, from like, you know, my wife will walk in at eight 30, nine o'clock. I'm sitting there and she's like, what are you doing on your phone? Cause I'm really never on my phone. I use it. I don't, I'm not a consumer. Right. I go out, I produce content and I get off and uh, I'm playing Mario Kart. So yeah. I'm like, you know, give me a game that will elevate my life. I'm all yeah. about that shit. I'm a gamer too. Right. I, I still play video games. Um, uh, I actually, I've been, it's been, I've been in through a little lull as I've been waiting for, I'm going to get the PS5. It was like hard to get, I don't know, but I love it. I've always loved it. I feel like it's part of my whole message too, which is like, look, don't try to push away the kid in you, that passion and enthusiasm right. once had as a kid, like the full human spirit firing on all cylinders involves like tapping into that fun, playful stuff. Yes. And it's like, yeah, like embrace that, use that. Don't be ashamed. Like I'm 45 and I play video games. Like yeah, that's it's how I'm wired. And let's use it for good instead of bad. Yeah, I love that. And trust me, I, I don't know if you have kids, but my kids love that I play. Yeah, I do. And, well, mine's five and two, so they're not quite into the video game stage yet. But my, Mine are four and six, and my six-year-old oh. has he – he grabs my phone, he gets on Mario, just crushes it. Really? Yeah, just intuitively. I got that coming. Yeah, right. So we reduce screen time and we don't have any consults in the house, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely coming. Um, Will, is there any, anything else that you want to cover that maybe uh, we have missed? I know we're, we're kind of, we went over. Yeah, I know we, we went over. No, no, man. It's, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. We, uh, it was great. No, I, I think I've, I've covered everything. Um, good. Where can people you know, connect you can, with you? If you want to take that quiz, find out where you stand, as I mentioned, uh, more, well, moremomentum.com, M-O-O-R-E, momentum.com. That's my website quizzes on there uh well at the top says core evaluator quiz i believe and you can kind of just real quickly see where you stand and then there's a little overview of the five cores i went through them very quickly um so you can kind of familiarize yourself with them um and then you can sign up for the app there's a the app like i said two months the beta version should be out and it's free so sign up and when it comes out you'll be notified Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I will post a link to his website. Um, are you active on social? I know you've got some LinkedIn and yeah, Instagram. So at five like for life spelled with uh, the number five is my social media. Uh, and then I have a YouTube channel, which is just under Will Moore. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, I've got other channels, but those are the two main ones. Okay, cool. Well, I'll post Will's website and a lot of his social links so that way you can meet him wherever your favorite uh, social is. I found people want to meet me on Facebook or Instagram. Or yeah, on YouTube. I do have a Facebook group as well. Okay, right. perfect. So I'll, I'll post all that. So you guys just scroll right down to the show notes and you'll be able to connect with Will, uh, work with him. Uh, I love the, for me, I've just met Will today, but I would endorse him as a, as a coach, as someone to help you elevate your life. Anybody who is able to create a nine figure company while embracing these types of principles is someone you want to work with to get you to the next level. Um, so Will, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, dude, this was awesome. Tyler. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, bro. Yeah. Thanks, man. 